Preach to us what the Lord to have for us today, right? It is an honor to stand before you today and deliver God's precious Word. I do appreciate Brother Keith for giving me the opportunity uh, to preach God's precious Word. If you will today, let us all be turning to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're going to look in verse 37. And today I'm going to be preaching upon coming uh, to His presence. Coming into His presence. Many times we may come out of fear. Uh, many times we may come into God's presence out of shame, out of guilt. Uh, but today, I want us to notice today that uh, we need to come to Him cheerfully. You know, God wants us to be happy. Uh, whenever the man with the palsy, uh, and when the Lord saved him, uh, He said, Be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. So it's very important to come into God's presence cheerfully, I believe. We should also come, secondly, boldly unto that throne. And there's a reason why we can come boldly. It's because Christ has forgiven us of all of our sins. Amen. It's because that He has set us free. We have liberty in Christ Jesus. Uh, and we should walk in that liberty. And we should come to God uh, knowing that He has totally, 100% forgiven us of all of our sins. That's why we come boldly. Thirdly, without fear. God doesn't want us to come to Him as a loving Father, afraid of Him. We come without fear because we know how much He loves us. I mean, He gave His only begotten Son to set us free from condemnation. Man. And fourthly, we come without guilt. God doesn't want us to carry around guilt because of our sins. This is what Christ accomplished upon the cross for us so that we could walk, as I said, with freedom, with great encouragement before His throne. Not with a guilty conscience. Under the law of Moses, once a year, the high priest had to go in to the Holy of Holies and he had to go in with a sacrifice. And the people that had sinned, let's just say nine months prior to that, they had to carry this guilt around for nine whole months and uh, until that sacrifice, that offering was offered. And then they were no longer guilty. But you see, Christ, to clear our conscience from guilt... He was offered upon that cross once. And there will never be another offering again. And that should set our conscience clear. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 tells us, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What a wonderful Savior we have. So let us look in John chapter 6. We see here in verse 37, you know, prior to this that Christ... He had fed multitudes, 5,000 not counting the women and the children. And we find there uh, that uh, He is now teaching that we are secure and that we come to Him and that we will be saved and that He will never cast anyone out that comes unto Him. And they have a problem with this. They murmured at Christ because He was saying uh, who He was. But let us look in verse 37. The Bible states, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All is in reference to every single person that God gave Christ in eternity. His elect children. They all will come in time. <coughs> and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
Why wouldn't he cast out someone that God gave him? You see, he wouldn't. We are totally secure, 100%. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's the security of the believer. Christ is not going to lose any of us. Right. We are in His hands. But should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Everlasting life comes from having a Savior. comes from being forgiven of all of your iniquities. comes from God giving us a Savior and giving us to Christ. We are His forever. And we can rejoice in that forever. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for Your love that's everlasting. We're so thankful, Lord, for Your only begotten Son that gave His life a ransom for us. And dear Lord, may we walk in that freedom. May we walk in the truth, dear Lord. Help us, lead us, and guide us throughout this service, Lord. May, if there is anyone here lost, may they see Jesus as their personal Savior and come to trust Him. We ask all these things for Christ's sake. Help all those that are sick, dear Lord. We pray for Your healing touch to be upon them. Help each one on the prayer list, spoken and unspoken. Help Brother Keith, Lord, as he goes into the, these revival meetings. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Not our will, but Thine will be done. Amen. Amen. As we look into God's holy word, we can see very clearly that Jesus Christ is in total control. Uh, that Jesus Christ has told us that, that all that comes to Him, He will in no wise cast out. And I want us to notice that we can come to Him cheerfully. If you will today, let us turn back to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I want us to notice in verse 2, and this person had the palsy. He was crippled, and Jesus uh, made an example out of this man showing those that were lost that he was able not only to cure him, but this proof would be that he was also able to forgive sins. And it's very important what Jesus said to this man after he healed him. Let us notice... In verse 2 of Matthew chapter 9, it states, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Boy, he had every reason in the world to be uh, cheerful, didn't he? His sins were the main thing that Jesus did. For him, I mean, took them all away. You're forgiven. Now, he didn't just forgive him part of his sins, but past, present, and future sins were all gone. You see, before this man was ever born, before you and I were born, Jesus had us upon his mind. Jesus was thinking about us in eternity. And uh, Jesus is saying to this man, Be of good cheer. And he calls him son. He's identified. Kind of like the prodigal son. You know, whenever he came back home, uh, he was identified when the father put a robe upon him, a ring upon his feet, I mean upon his hand, and shoes upon his feet. And they were cheerful. They were happy. They were dancing because he once was lost, but now he's found. You see, when you come to Christ, come to Him cheerfully. 
Because He has a lot to offer, doesn't He? He has a lot to give. He gives us forgiveness of all of our sins. You see in Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 6, the Bible tells us that the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That happened 2,000 years ago. A little over. And so all of our sins were future at that time. And when we come to Jesus, just like this man did, all of our sins were laid upon Christ 2,000 years ago. Not just some of them. And so He sets us free from all of our sins. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation. There's no judgment. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, God's not going to condemn us because He judged Christ for all of our sins. And so we, we sing that lovely hymn, don't we? Jesus paid it all, and all to Him we owe. He didn't pay just some of our sins. So we can come to Him cheerfully. We can come to Him uh, in His presence knowing that we are forgiven of all of our iniquities. That He does not remember them anymore. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4, if you will, today. One of the greatest encouragements to serve the Lord is knowing without a shadow of a doubt that He is not remembering our sins anymore. And I've, I've often said this many times, if He doesn't remember our sins anymore, why should we? <laughs> we always seem to carry this guilt and shame around, don't we? But God doesn't see us that way. God doesn't remember our iniquities because He put them on Christ 2,000 years ago and forgave them and set us free. Romans chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8, the Bible tells us, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. They're not going to be. They are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Oh, isn't it a wonderful thing to know, a cheerful thing to know that Jesus... He's never going to impute unto us our sins. Right. Our sins were laid upon Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 tells us, For He, God, hath made Him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We don't have any righteousness of our own. So we can come to God's throne and to His presence in the righteousness of Christ. We can come to Him cheerfully because He is a wonderful Savior that's cleansed us and made us whole. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, the Bible tells us that who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That's why we can come cheerfully because Christ was delivered up to that horrible cross. He endured the shame for us. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 tells us. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes, He was thinking about me. He was thinking about His elect. Yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be made rich. Oh, it's the richest thing in the world to be a son, to be a daughter of Almighty God. To have a Savior, a loving Savior, a loving Father. The loving Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. That helps us throughout our days. What a Savior we have. This is why we can come to God's throne cheerfully. Knowing what Christ has done for us. As I said earlier, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 is one of my favorite verses. 
Because He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Forever is a long time, isn't it? And so we are perfected in God's eyes. We are made righteous, holy, and without blame before Him. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. God has a good pleasure. And we can be cheerful about His good pleasure that we are chosen by Christ. We are His. We are a chosen generation. So that's something to be cheerful about. Knowing that our sins are washed away. This man, he could be of good cheer because Jesus said, Thy sins are forgiven. Have you heard your Savior say, Thy sins are forgiven? Have you experienced repentance and faith? Have you felt Him grant that to you? Because see, that's a gift from God. James 1 verse 18 tells us, Of His own will beget He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. He draws us unto Himself. And He draws us out of love. Everlasting love. It's forever and ever and ever. God doesn't change His mind, does He? I'm glad He didn't change His mind about me. I'm glad He saves ungodly sinners. I'm glad Christ died for the ungodly. That shows me that I can be accepted because I was ungodly and in my sins when the Lord saved me. I was an enemy to God Almighty. But you know, He had mercy. He had grace because of His everlasting love. Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The assurance that I get from coming to the Lord is knowing that He saves the ungodly. I know I'm one of His because He's cleansed me and made me whole. <laughs> I couldn't make myself whole. I couldn't even come to Him unless He had drawn me. Nor can you. In this same chapter of John chapter 6, whenever He's speaking about His little children in verse 44, He said, No man can come to Me except the Father which has sent Me draw Him. You see, God draws us. It's written in the prophets, the Bible tells us, that they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me, Jesus said. In John 6 and verse 45. So we see that we come to Him because He draws us. He convicts us. He saves us by His mighty power. Glory to God that we are with a loving Father that has drawn us by His almighty power. We can give Him all the credit for our salvation, can't we? Everything is due to Him. Nothing due to us. So we can come to Him cheerfully. Just as Jesus encouraged Him to be of good cheer, I believe He's encouraging all of His little children. Be of good cheer. When you come into His presence, be of good cheer. Because you are forgiven. You're not going to be. You are. That's past tense, isn't it? Thank God that that's the way it is. Secondly, we can come boldly into His presence. Look, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 today. I want us to notice in verse 16. The Bible tells us, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help 
in time of need. We don't have to come scared, ashamed, but boldly, cheerfully and boldly. And there's a great reason why, because we are in the everlasting covenant of grace for that we belong to Him forever and ever and ever. We have a Father that cares for us every moment of the day, every second. He's not going to change. His children are made complete in His only begotten Son. Colossians 2 and verse 10 tells us that. We are complete in Him. Now you're as complete the first moment that you got saved for the rest of your entire life. And when you see your completeness is all in Christ, this is what makes you happy. This is what makes you cheerful. This is what Solomon was talking about when he said the righteous are bold as a lion because they know who they are. They are identified with Christ. The Apostle John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, the love that the Father has bestowed upon us is amazing. The amazing grace of Almighty God is everlasting. And so we see that we can come boldly to His throne because we are made complete. We are new creatures. When you're made complete, you are a new creature. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 tells us, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You never cease to be a new creature. Isn't that wonderful? To know every morning you wake up, I'm a new creature in Christ. I can come boldly to my Father because I know that He's not going to change His mind about me. Every day I walk around with this sinful nature waiting, Lord, when will that time come when we'll all be changed? I'm looking forward to the rapture. I'm looking forward to that time when the Lord calls us up in the air and we'll be changed. This old robe of flesh, this old sinful nature will be dropped forever. And you never have to deal with it ever again. But until then, we have to deal with it, don't we? And if we're not careful because of this sinful nature, we will not come to the Lord boldly. We'll think, for some reason or the other, that God's looking down upon us with great wrath. But you see, that's not true. God Almighty has delivered us from the wrath to come. He poured His wrath upon His only begotten Son because of our sins. All the depth and the knowledge of Isaiah whenever He said the Lord hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. It's so that we can come boldly unto His throne. It's so that we, as new creatures, can enjoy the presence of of Almighty God forever. You know, the Bible teaches, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in His name, there is He in the midst of them. He's here. He's with us. His whole purpose in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Oh, that's what gives us boldness. That's what helps us to run to God under every circumstance that we go through, every failure that we have in life, when we sin and fall short of the glory of God, I know the Bible teaches us that the thought of foolishness, the thought of foolishness is sin. How many foolish thoughts can a person have throughout a day? 
throughout his lifetime. Wouldn't it be a sad commentary to think that Christ didn't pay for all of them too? He paid for them all. And so therefore, we can still come boldly into the throne when we mess up and we fall short. Because we have an advocate with the Father. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the only righteous one. And He imputes His righteousness unto us. And so we can come to Him because He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is an able Savior. Wouldn't it be sad if we didn't have a, a Savior that wasn't able to plead our case before Almighty God, the Judge of the earth? He pleads it forever and ever. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 tells us, Wherefore, He is able to save us to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing that He ever liveth to make intercession, intercession for us an able Savior. I'm not able to do a lot of things. The older I get, the more I feel that way, don't you? But, you know, Jesus. Oh, Jesus is able to secure us and to keep us by His mighty power. He's never ever going to change. I want us to turn, if you will, on over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at this everlasting covenant that we are in. This is why we can come boldly into His throne. Because He doesn't remember our iniquities. In verse 16, the Bible states, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Them is His children. Saith the Lord, I will put My laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. No more offering where there is forgiveness. See, Christ was offered once. Verse 19, Having therefore, the word therefore is there because He wants us to focus upon God's not remembering our iniquities no more because of Jesus. So having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. This is the everlasting covenant of grace that we are in. And Jesus Christ has paid it all for us so that we can come boldly knowing that He's not going to remember our iniquities no more. What freedom we get from knowing this. What encouragement we have to run to our Father every day. You know, He said He would be a Father unto us. And so we need to come cheerfully. We need to come boldly unto Him, knowing who He is and what He's accomplished for us. Learning about Jesus is one of the greatest things that we can do in our life. And I'm convinced that even when we give our last breath, there will still be room for learning about Jesus. He has done so much and He's doing so much for us. The riches of our Savior is totally amazing. We need Him every hour, don't we? We need Him every day. Without an advocate, I could not imagine what life would be like not knowing that Jesus paid it all 
not knowing that God doesn't remember my iniquities no more. Thirdly, we need to come to Him without fear. I want you to notice something today about coming to the Lord. When Peter saw the miracle that Christ had performed, of all the fish they caught, we know the story how that uh, Peter had been fishing all night, James and John, and uh, they caught nothing. And uh, here comes Jesus along that morning and uh, He asked for the boat. And Jesus is out there on the boat and He's teaching. And you can imagine these tired fishermen, Peter, James, and John sitting there. This is just before they were called to be apostles. And they hadn't slept any. They'd worked all night casting those nets. This wasn't just for fun. This was their living. But they caught nothing. Not one little fish. And we find there that, that when Jesus was done preaching, teaching, He tells Peter to cast the net on the other side. And when Peter did, you know, He said, we've told all night and caught nothing. As if Jesus didn't already know that. <laughs> but uh, uh, He said, nevertheless, at thy word. He'd heard Jesus teaching. And he knew that he needed to do this. So he did. And when he did, he was astonished. He was so astonished that he fell upon his knees. And he said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. He knew he was in the presence of holiness. He knew that he was a sinner. But one thing he didn't know was that Jesus would not depart from him. His purpose was to save sinners. I want us to look at this, if you will, today in Luke chapter 5. Let us turn over to Luke chapter 5 and you see how that why all that the Father gave Christ whenever He comes to save them, He doesn't just try to get their attention. He can do it by miracles. He can do it however He chooses. He'd done it with the Apostle Peter and James and John by allowing them to catch a multitude of fish. But in Luke chapter 5, look if you will, beginning in verse 4. Then when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. You know, it's pretty amazing that every one of these little fish were controlled by the Lord. Why is it that human beings have a problem with being controlled by the Lord? God is in control of us, isn't He? How else could all things work together for good to them that love God? To them who are the called according to His purpose if He wasn't in control of our circumstances? He is in control. 
And so he's showing Peter and James how much control he has here. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. That's right, where we all belong, isn't it? Saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. Notice this. Right after Peter is on his knees and they see the miracle, they were astonished. And he wants Jesus to depart from him. Jesus is not about to depart. He says, Fear not. Just like he tells us, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They were glad that Jesus came their way that day. And they began to follow the Lord. Just as whenever he calls us by his mighty power and opens our eyes, makes the captor turn us loose. Jesus came to set the captive free. The devil loves to hold us in bondage, hold us guilty of our sins, hold us in fear. But you see, Jesus, He wants us to fear not. Peter was worried about his sins, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. But Jesus is the Savior of sinners, ungodly sinners, like Simon Peter and James and John and you and I. You see, we need washed. We need cleansed from all of our iniquities. And only Jesus can do that by His precious blood. There's power in the blood of the Lamb of God. And we see His purpose in coming to this earth. And we see Him carrying out that purpose. Walking by that sea shore. He had Jesus on His mind. I mean, He had Peter upon His mind that day. And James and John. Can you call back a time whenever He had you upon His mind? In John chapter 4 and verse 4, there was a time when He said, I must needs go through Samaria. He had a Samaritan woman upon her mind that had been married five times. And He was going to save her. And we, we all know the story how He did save her. And she went and told everybody about what Jesus had done for her. You see, Jesus always has His elect upon His mind. Always. You can't get us off His mind. I'm thankful that it's that way. Aren't you? I'm thankful that God is always thinking about me. And so, we see that Jesus didn't leave Peter on His knees. He didn't leave him afraid. He could be of great cheer because His sins were also forgiven. You know, little Zacchaeus was up in that, up that sycamore tree. And you know, he came down and he received the Lord joyfully, didn't he? So he could boldly say, I have a Savior. Just as, just as you and I, we can boldly come to the throne of grace because we have a Savior. And we can come without fear because we are in the everlasting covenant. Many people think as Christians, when they fall short, that 
for some reason that sin overpowers the grace of God. But you know the Bible teaches us that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Grace is far greater than our sin could ever possibly be. The precious blood is so powerful. It can cleanse the vilest of sinners. That's why He died for the ungodly. Many people in the world today are committing suicide. The suicide rate between 14 and 16 is totally amazing. When children lose hope and they're carrying around all this guilt because of their sins and no one is presenting a Savior to them. And the devil just holds them in darkness many times. When we look at that and we see the, the statistics, it's very, very sad because, you see, there is hope in Christ. There is forgiveness for the vilest of sinners. That's the reason I say don't commit suicide. Don't take your life. It's too precious. God loves you with an everlasting love. His little children are His forevermore. See that He can forgive you of all of your iniquities. Because that's what He does. So that we can live a life without fear. I mean, some people think, well, there's no hope for me. I've messed up too much. Consider the Apostle Paul before he was saved. He was called Saul of Tarsus. He had murdered Christians. He was consenting unto their death. And you know what he states about himself? He said, I'm not worthy. I'm less than the least of all the saints. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 15, he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm chief. I'm the chief of sinners, and, and he saved me. I tell people all the time, if he'd save someone like me, I know you got a chance. Even though I know salvation is not based on chance. It's based on the, the determinate foreknowledge of Almighty God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. So we see that God has always had a plan, has He, for us. So we can come cheerfully. We can come boldly and we can come without fear to our Heavenly Father. That's how He wants us to come. But we can't come if we think that our sins are still upon our shoulders, can we? We can't come that way. But if we know that He's paid it all, then we can come to Him and give Him praise and give Him honor for saving us from all of our sins. You see, He delivered us from the curse of the law. being made a curse for us. This is how God justly forgives us. He was pleased with the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. He was pleased whenever He looked and He saw the travail of His soul. He was satisfied. Amen. Satisfied with the Son's precious blood covering us, atoning us. 
Wiping all of our sin debt away. Fear has torment, doesn't it? Love covers a multitude of sins. How much does God love us? He loved us enough to give His only begotten Son. Romans chapter 8 tells us, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He freely gives us all things. Because He spared not His Son for us. He loved us so much. So don't come to the Lord in fear. We have to be like Peter. We have to get up off of our knees. We have to follow after the Lord. Not being afraid, but knowing that He came to forgive us of all of our iniquities. God's grace is amazing. Fourthly, I want us to notice that we can come without guilt. Come without guilt. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, if you'd like to turn there, I want us to notice this wonderful verse of Scripture. The word reckon actually is a commandment by God to His little children. Romans 6 and verse 11, the Bible states, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Now we're not dead to the power of sin. Our sinful nature is with us. But we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we consider that God commands us to walk as new creatures, then that's where true freedom and true joy comes. As a Christian, when we see that we are dead to sin. That God no longer charges us with sin. He charged all of our sins to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? In Romans chapter 8, in verse 33, the Bible tells us, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You see, nobody can. So why should you be laying charge to yourself? Why should you go around with a guilty conscience when you are to reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin? I'm dead to sin. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not dead to the power of sin, but I'm dead to the consequences that it could bring upon me. Because Jesus paid for my sins in full. And God was satisfied. So who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long. The Bible tells us, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. He said, For I am persuaded 
We need to be persuaded as Christians. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you come to Him knowing what He's accomplished for you? Knowing that you don't have to go around with this guilty conscience no more? In closing today, let us look at one more verse in Hebrews chapter 10, if you will, today. Hebrews chapter 10, look in verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10 and let us, in verse 22. The Bible states, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience. This guilt, don't carry it around no more. Jesus has paid too much for you to do this. And our bodies washed with pure water. Do you need to come to Him with a cheerful heart? Then you must realize that the sin debt is paid in full by your Savior. Do you need to come boldly? You can't come if you are carrying these sins around. Christ already carried them on the cross 2,000 years ago. He paid it all in full. Do you need a Savior? I would encourage you to trust Him today. At this time, Brother Keith, would you come? May God bless you.